Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to a Thursday, July 27th, 2023 edition here on the Chase Thomas Podcast. A couple days off here, so did not post the full ride with uh, Matt Green College Football Show yesterday um i was struggling throughout and i've been dealing with an upper respiratory infection for the last week so that's kind of where my schedule has been it's kind of been thrown off um lost my voice um at times uh recording yesterday's show so um wanted to hold off before doing an intro and all that other stuff and starting to feel a little bit better here so today's gonna be a two-parter yeah two-parter here on this edition of the chase thomas podcast First up, Matt Green, Full Ride College Football Show, where we previewed the ACC, and we also uh, went in depth on Tennessee versus Georgia recruiting and some of the conversations that have been had over the weekend about how Tennessee is recruited and how it compares to Georgia and all that good stuff. So ACC, Georgia, Tennessee, all that and more coming up next. Hey, one final thing before we jump into today's episode. Uh Sports Renaissance Man. That's me. SportsRenaissanceMan.substack.com. It is a daily newsletter um, where I cover all kinds of uh, great sports content, personal essays, uh, links to full episodes of this very show, um, Tennessee Vols, Atlanta sports, NFL, NBA, college football. I write about it all. Boy Meets World. Yeah, you can find all of it on the Sports Renaissance Man newsletter by just going over to SportsRenaissanceMan.substack.com. Dot com. Type in your email today. Become a subscriber. If you like listening to this show, I think you might like reading my work as well. Combination, writing, podcasting, two of my favorite things. And you can find it over at sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Check it out today. Also check out chasemonspodcast.com. New website. Looks great. All kinds of great links. Check them both out. Bookmark them. sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Type your email. That easy. That simple. Do it today. And then chasethomaspodcast.com as well for all the links, full episode notes, um, 
about the show, how we got started, who I am, if you're not familiar with the Chase Thomas podcast, and just me, Chase Thomas, um, outside of here in Knoxville, Tennessee, local, Atlantan, um, and all that good stuff. All the information you need, chasethomaspodcast.com. Then email me, chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com for any questions, mailbag stuff, anything for me or my hosts each and every week, co-hosts each and every week, chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, guys. Hey, y'all. Thanks for checking out the Chase Thomas Podcast. If you are not already a subscriber and this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. Appreciate you guys checking out uh, what we've got cooking here on the program. Um, If you enjoy what you hear today, please make sure you hit that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. New episode, new content every single day. Tennessee Vols, Atlanta Sports Guys, Sports Reporters Assemble, NFL, NBA, college football, all that and more right here on this feed each and every day. Your favorite writers, analysts, personalities in the space on this very feed every day. So if you like that, you like the best national sports talk with a local flavor outside of here in Knoxville, Tennessee, then this is the show for you. So make sure you're locked in on your preferred podcast player. And if you're already a subscriber, you know what I'm about to say. But if you could, please leave this show a five-star rating and write a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or however you're listening. I promise you it helps this show continue to grow, helps other people find the show, and all that good stuff. So if you could take a second today and you're already a fan, you love the show, tell a friend, family member, coworker, whoever about the Chase Homes Podcast as we get bigger and bigger each and every day here in Tennessee. I would greatly appreciate it. Five-star review or five-star rating. Write a review. I promise it helps in a major way. Takes a second. Hit that pause button. Take care of it today. And uh, yeah, we greatly appreciate it. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, My nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, everything school HQ, even though many many georgia fans would like for you and uh each and every tennessee fan listening to this very program make you feel as if that's not so make you feel bad about tennessee rising in a lot of areas make you feel bad about not being at the level of georgia in the realm of football at the moment to make you feel bad about where you're recruiting to make you feel bad about five stars walking in the building to make you feel bad about your offensive scheme that beat alabama to make you feel bad about being the number one team in the college football playoff at one point in the 2022 calendar season to make you feel bad about finding joy after a decade of wandering the wilderness thank god for georgia fans who are there to um, issue that citation and to stop you in your tracks for being happy for enjoying a top 10 class for enjoying things being on the up and up across the board because it's not up and up across the board in athens it's only up and up for four months a year and then it's back into hibernation and they've been in hibernation for eight months and now they're angry they're getting they're seeing joe milton is the most talented quarterback in the country from jordan rogers they're seeing folks look at tennessee as an sec east dark horse and they're upset and i get it but you can't bring us all down and we won't do it on this very show fellow university of north georgia alumni matt green is here matt I've been sitting on this one for a week. Wow. 
coming in hot, man. I don't know what I don't know what to do with all that. I don't think I was really necessarily raining on on your parade or anything. I mean, you're, you're you guys are pretty good at everything, and that's that's yeah, that's that's something. Uh, George's over here trying to win national championships in multiple sports. Have you? There's a. Uh, Multiple sports have won national championships at Georgia since the last time Tennessee wanted anything. What are they? It's been like what, fifteen years since Tennessee won a national title in anything? Like, get out of here! They're not any. They're pretty good at everything. That's all. That's all I'll give them. Wow. I mean, if you if you say so, but we'll get into what all that means. But uh, apologies for the coughing ahead of time. I'm gonna try and hit the mute button before I uh, do. I'm just happy I was able to get through that whole intro without without a cough as I. Uh, work through uh, an upper respiratory infection um so hopefully that gets out because hosting a podcast when you have <laughs> this <laughs> particular illness uh is a little annoying uh matt green so uh appreciate uh, you working with me on this because uh it is not my favorite and apparently you need a voice to host a podcast Without a doubt, not ideal uh, situation uh, for you. But are we just gonna jump into it? Like, why this Georgia Tennessee thing? Uh, you, I know you guys got a big recruit this this past week, and you should, ex- without a doubt, be excited about uh, Mike Matthews, five star out of Lilburn, Georgia. Not just Lilburn, the alma mater, Parkview High School. Um, there is a pipeline here, so I guess we can do this, and then we'll get into uh, how many days until college football and. Um, our ACC preview uh, as we get uh, closer and closer to the upcoming 2023 college football season. But no, so here's the deal. Friend of the pod, um, Graham Coffee, and uh, some other podcasters and Georgia fans um, ended up having a whole conversation that I poked my head into a little bit. And Graham's my guy, and he means well. And there is now something that I think there's a disconnect. And I'm probably going to write about this this week because I have a lot of thoughts on this particular matter. So uh, Tennessee brings in a five-star wide receiver in Mike Matthews, uh, the highest rated wide receiver Tennessee's ever brought in. Um, He is, uh, by all accounts, going to be just an absolute player. Like he floats like Michael Jordan with something in the scouting reports, which is is cool. Uh, I'm probably going to get Michael Jordan comparisons. Hey, the way he floats. So he's got uh, he's got good hang time. So shout out to to Mike Matthews. But um, Nico Yamaliava, right? Five star quarterback coming in last year. You get another top ten quarterback in Jake Merklinger this cycle. Um, Braylon Staley is in the boat, four star um, out of South Carolina receiver. And then you also have uh, Amari Jefferson, uh, four star wide receiver out of Chattanooga, who will be making a decision between. Georgia, or between technically Georgia, but Georgia's not in it. Um, Alabama and Tennessee um, next week, I believe. And then you have Ryan Wingo, who will be making a decision out of Missouri, the five-star wide receiver at the end of December. And it looks like that one's probably down to Tennessee, um, Mizzou, and Texas. Seems like the big three still chasing them. So very real chance that Tennessee ends up with three basic four or five-star receivers in this class. You bring in a big four-star Nathan Leacock. The point being, the reason I'm mentioning all these skill position guys, and this was something that Graham was talking about on uh, the the Twitter thread that we were uh, going back and forth on, and respectfully, because yeah, you can have respectful discourse and uh, people can disagree respectfully on where things are going. And one of the things that I've noticed that Georgia fans are missing, primarily with what Tennessee is doing. So now there is this expectation, and this kind of rubs me the wrong way, where Tennessee 
has put a, a plethora of dudes in the NFL, specifically the wide receiver position over the last three years. And that is a, a nice thing. Georgia fans should understand. Like, it's nice to put dudes in the NFL because you can get guys like Williams, Winery, potentially the five-star defensive tackle, um, who might end up just picking Georgia because he's just seen how many dudes have gone to the league without, like, uh, just it, it, just coming in late in the process. Don't, and, don't try to downplay it. Because well, we're no, I mean, he hasn't produced been, an NFL D lineman. No, what I'm saying is, like, they... What I'm saying is that that's all it needs like all sometimes like because you can just say you're probably going to go to the league if you go here like you're probably going to be a first round pick based on this kind of track record like guys have seen Jalen Carter Jordan Davis <laughs> um and so many dudes over the last Trayvon it's a testament Walker. to what they have done so what I am saying is it kind of sells itself you're not really recruiting there that's not really recruiting that's not that hard that's just you hey if you've watched the draft the last couple of years, it's hey, a, it's a loaded, it's a loaded position group though, to, to have to come into. Sure. But if you're a five-star, you think that you're going to be able to make it work and get all that. You shouldn't be worried about that. If you're a five-star kid coming into Georgia, that being said, look, one of the things that people are pointing out. And one of the things that they were talking about was that Tennessee is recruiting a lot of playmaker and they're spending a lot of their big time recruits on wide receivers. When, Josh Heupel schemes guys open better uh, potentially than anybody else in the country. And it's like, do you really need to use your resources there um, if you're going to catch the George of the world? And it's like, okay, you're getting five. Great. You got a five-star quarterback. Can he be, can the offense be better with Nico than what it, we just saw this past year? Can it be better than the number one scoring offense? And what, what does that actually do to get five-star guys in those particular areas where you're already scheming guys open and doing a lot more with less. And part of it too was like, hey, they're not winning in the trenches in terms of recruiting at the moment. Still a lot to be done. They bring in five-star or four-star Devin Hobbs last year. They have a lot of four-stars in Joshua Josephs, James Pierce, Chindavian um, Bradley. Um, they're in it deep with five-star defensive tackle Camarion Franklin right now. That could end up being a Tennessee uh, pull. There are still, like, there. we still have several months here. Bring in a four-star. You beat out Alabama for Arian Carter, who I think is going to be a stud linebacker in this group. You've recruited pretty well at the corner spot. We'll see what Kai Bates, the four-star um, out of Florida, does uh, this week, actually. It's down to Tennessee and LSU. That'd be a humongous corner get for, for the Vols. But I think what's happening now, because Tennessee is ahead of schedule and because now Georgia is seeing that, like, oh, if Tennessee is the closest heir to catching us, it's like, okay, let's kind of pick at the scab of Tennessee and be like, hey, Let's settle down. Here's your you you can't do this. Where if you're gonna catch Georgia, why are why are you using your recruiting capital on receiver in those areas? Why aren't you? It's like they're taking the big swings. Like Tennessee is swinging at Cam Franklin, Cam Fountain, um, Williams Winery. Like they are taking the big swings at those positions. They're taking big swings at five star offensive linemen. They're taking those big swings. That they brought in a four star offensive guard in William Satterwhite, and well, they took big swings at uh, Jane Riddell at tight end. They've taken like it's not as but though it's, it's not that no one thinks Tennessee is recruiting those guys but it's the point is Georgia fans are not going to be truly worried about Tennessee until they start landing those guys like obviously but then it's like that's not a conversation that Tennessee fans are even saying though and I think that's what Georgia fans are missing it's like Georgia Tennessee fans are just happy like it's one of those like Georgia fans need to actually have a conversation with where Tennessee fans are because Tennessee fans are just like do you know what's awesome 
kicking the shit out of the majority of the teams we play right now because that's going to continue like that is a really to be fair fun- georgia fans aren't even talking about tennessee until they start talking about georgia and it's like okay okay now get so back that's not in true. your place now tennessee fans were talking about it they just saw georgia fans saw the five-star receiver and that's how this conversation saw it's like they saw all these guys now picking tennessee and it's like great like we're not worried about tennessee yeah you can get all the five-star receivers you want like we're still going to win the trenches this that and the other but like Tennessee, this is what they can do right now. The biggest selling point for Heupel. It's like he can't turn away. Like he is a QB whisperer. If you come into this scheme, you are going to put up numbers. You're going to get drafted. You're going to be like Joe Milton. If he just has an okay year, he's a second round pick. So it's like, we also don't know. Like Josh Heupel has never had the kind of talent. If Tennessee closes where it looks like they might close as a top 10 class again this year, and you're looking at potentially another top 10 class, then you're in the blue chip ratio. You'll be in the blue chip ratio after this year anyway. Like, then you're at a point where we've never seen Josh Heupel's offense and Josh Heupel's entire system with a bunch of dudes on both sides of the ball. And I understand when people are like, oh, you can never have an elite defense with this kind of tempo, with this kind of this, that, and the other. They beat Alabama. And this idea that like Georgia is the end-all, be-all roadblock to Tennessee ever winning a title or ever seriously contending is not true because there is a path where like they don't have to beat Georgia to win a title. They don't have to get through... Tennessee got through just about everyone last year. Like you put them up against just about anyone. But if you look at while Alabama was their dynasty, almost every single team, it was it was what was like 12 or 13 straight years that won the national championship had to beat Alabama at one point or it was at, or it was Alabama, you know. I think Florida State was the only team for like a decade that either wasn't Alabama or didn't have to go through Alabama to win the national championship. And if Georgia does become that, then Tennessee obviously is going to have to to go through them, but I think you're misunderstanding the argument. It's not that they should spend their recruiting capital only on the often in the trenches or whatever, and they shouldn't try to get five star wide receivers. Yeah, that's obviously you should get the best player you can get at every single position. Mm -hmm. Mike Matthews is a five star that everybody wanted, so obviously you're going to try to get him. I think the point is Georgia. Georgia's not going to be worried about Tennessee until they start landing the elite offensive linemen and defensive linemen consistently, because like if you just just look at what Georgia is under Kirby Smart compared to what they were under Mark Richt. Like, there's this idea that they underachieved under Mark Richt, and maybe they're to an ex- like to a small level they did underachieve. But for the most part, Mark Richt was signing, you know, at best like the fourth or fifth ranked class in the country. There was some, but more likely it was like the seventh or eighth ranked class in the country, and that tended to be the fourth or fifth ranked class in the SEC. And then Georgia was like the third or fourth best team in the SEC lots of times. It's kind of how it worked out. And and you saw the the skill players like the Todd Gurley's and the AJ Greens and Matthew Stafford and and Sean Marino. How do you not win a championship with these guys? It's like Georgia didn't have a first round pick offensive lineman from it was George Foster, I think, in 2003 until Isaiah Wynn in like 2018. Like the, Mark Richt essentially didn't recruit one five star offense or one first round pick offensive lineman the entire time he was at Georgia. And it's like, that's, that's a red flag right there because the, the game is built in the trenches. So I think that's what you look at Josh Heupel. I mean, and he would be so lucky. Let's not like say, act like he's Mark Richt or anything. That's, that's 15 years of consistency. I think Tennessee fans would probably take that based on where they've been um, at the last decade plus. But I think with you, when you look at Josh Heupel, and I, I know I've I've thrown out the Dan Mullen comparisons. It's it's not that it's just they shouldn't be celebrating this, they shouldn't be excited. It's just 
until they start building up in the trenches, I don't think they're a realistic. And, and they start stacking classes on top of the other. Because that's the other thing that I took exception with. I think you said Steve Wiltfong said that Tennessee's on the cusp of winning a national title. Yeah. And I just, I don't see that at all. Like, they're on the cusp of competing for national titles, I feel like. Like, if they, like this is the, on their, on their way to doing it. Like, where, where are they, like, fourth or fifth right now in the class rankings? Like, if they sign a top five class, like, that's the start of it. And then they got to stack another top five class on next year. And, and they're Tennessee. There's no reason they can't do that. I feel like the way you've talked about them at times is like they're this small market club, you know, like, well, you know, we got to temper expectations. It's like, is as high as anybody there. That, well, they're a reason they're a sleeping giant. Well, hold on. I have said the ceiling is there are certain programs that they cannot realistically catch anytime soon. And that's not like some of it's just geography. Like Tennessee, what I've said is that they can beat Clemson. The Tennessee being back, the biggest loser in Tennessee being back is Clemson. And you're already seeing on the recruiting trail. Like Tennessee has had landed some major, like Mike Matthews is a major haymaker um, because that really probably came down to Clemson and Tennessee. And you look at William Satterwhite, that came down to Clemson and Tennessee. And he ends up at uh, Tennessee. And I think you're going to see that more and more is Tennessee and Clemson going uh, to, to the wire for the same kind of kids now. And because Tennessee is East Tennessee is really close to Virginia, really close to North Carolina, really close to South Carolina. I mean, they're just that they're going to cross paths a lot. And I think that is a big part of uh, Clemson maybe being in a little but bit of trouble here. if they were in the ACC, then yeah, they could, they don't have to actually play Clemson though. So Clemson is still getting the elite talent in their conference. Tennessee right. might be getting, might, they might be just as good. And this 12 team playoff is really going to, tell us because me and my brother were talking about the other day kind of comparing the the oklahoma rose bowl and the ohio state peach bowl kind of where georgia's program was at that time like we always thought we were like as good as oklahoma but we didn't actually know because it's like oh, i feel like if we were in the big 12 we could be that good right like you don't really know this 12 team playoff you could actually see maybe the fifth best team in the sec is as good as the best team in the acc some years but that was the biggest challenge always is like maybe you're the third or fourth best team in the SEC and the third or fourth best team in the country and those more talented teams in the SEC are, are keeping you out historically. So that could be one thing that's going in Tennessee's favor with this new format because it was as, as good as you can be in the SEC when you had Alabama and now Georgia at the top, it, it doesn't necessarily matter how good you are because you have to get one past one of them to even try to play Michigan or Ohio State or Clemson to see to see what you're made of. Yeah, and I to bring it back to the SEC recruiting, like they're not going to recruit better than Ohio State right now. They're not going to recruit better than Alabama. They're not going to recruit better than Georgia. No one's going to recruit better than Georgia anytime soon. And then you look at Florida. The proximity of Florida, they walk into five star. They're like there are more like geography alone will always give Florida a better advantage to landing better classes than Tennessee. Like there is a reason that Florida, like we talk about it all the time, Florida just can't get out of their own way, but Florida is in a better spot, especially in recruiting than Tennessee and always will be. They should be better, but some years Tennessee should beat Florida. Some years they should not, but most often I would say Florida should win those battles. And I would also say LSU and where they are and the amount of in-state talent in the state of Louisiana they should have better classes. It just so happens four of those schools are in the SEC along with Tennessee. 
I'm saying the ceiling or the you didn't even most realistic Texas. thing is somewhere <laughs> in, in Texas now is you're going to have to be okay with the five to six, five to seven range if you're a Tennessee fan when they go to 16 in the conference. And it sounds worse in theory, but it's like that's probably the best roster in the ACC. Like Tennessee probably has the best roster in the ACC. It has the best roster in the Big 12. But like it's just... The SEC, and I'm saying post-Texas in the Big 12, but what I'm saying is that, like, there's it's just there's only so high you can go, and you have to find your niche. And right now, Tennessee has found their niche that is scoring a lot, that is a lot of fun, that is selling out tickets, that has the fan base excited, that has this offense. They are must-see TV. Guess what? America likes watching them. The two biggest games... <laughs> Tennessee, Georgia, and Tennessee, Alabama. Like, it's really fun watching America's Tennessee play. America's team. They Tennessee are. volunteers. Many forget. America's team. And stuff like, I just, I don't know why this is necessary. And I want to put this quote up. And this was something that started the whole thing. Graham said, many of you, and again, love Graham. I'm not picking on Graham. Many of you won't like this take, but I will start paying attention to Tennessee's recruiting when they begin landing elite front seven NOL prospects. They're doing a great job, but Hypel's system gets uh, most anyone open. Want to compete for titles? Beef up the lines. Someone else. There it is. Uh, which, again, two things can be true. They can get people open, and they could also be, hey, this is our bread and butter right now. This is what's getting in guys in the league. This is what's bringing... Like, if... They're kind of what you were saying. If a five-star wants to come here, we are going to bring in five-star quarterbacks and five-star receivers because that is they see this offense and they see the production. They see guys go in the NFL. Guess what? That is where guys are going to go. And then you hope that eventually turns into five-star offensive line. Do you know what the hardest but position to win? Thing. Do you know what the hardest position in this sport to recruit is? Talk to any behind-the-scenes recruiter. Guess what? There aren't many five-star tackles. There aren't many premier guys in the trenches on both sides to bring in. It's damn hard to do this. Georgia makes it look easy. Alabama traditionally makes it look easy. There are not that many guys to go around. And if Heupel thinks that he can get around with this scheme and, hey, they coach guys up, like Darnell Wright was a five-star coming in, guess where he got significantly better? Glenn Ellerby. Glenn Ellerby is not the recruiter that Jimmy Pruitt was. But guess what? He got significantly more out of Darnell Wright when he was in this system. So if he's banking on four stars being able to hold up and be able to do the job and then their resources being five stars and the playmakers at tight end, receiver, running back, quarterback, and that being enough, and if you're weak at the offensive line and you just hope you get lucky there, or in the portal, because that's another part of it. Could they get a four or five star in the portal who wants to come in for one year and play in this team? That's another part of it. They are swinging hard on the defensive line to win in the trenches. And it's not like they're not it, they're not going after Devin Hobbs was a of Georgia course. wanted Devin Hobbs like they are in those battles they are trying to it's we are entering year three Everyone's and people trying. are attacking well no people are attacking they were number one in the first CFP rankings this past year this team basic just barely avoided a postseason ban they have been under a NCAA investigation for years that's been used against well, where them we going here what I am saying is they are ahead of schedule so Georgia fans to attack where Tennessee is. We're no. not, we're, what are we worried about? This just wrapped up year two. Were we doing this to Kirby after year two? What were we, like, this is insane to me that we're having these conversations. And then the quote, and I, someone posted, uh, another podcaster posted this below it. They won't ever understand that. Also, if you run that style of offense, you'll never have a top 10 defense. It's borderline impossible. It doesn't matter who is on that side of the ball. Here's the problem. We don't know. And everyone has this final idea on what's going to happen with Tennessee and where this hypo era is going. 
All we know right now is Heupel has top 10 offense after top 10 offense. He is able to score on anyone. What we don't know. And that's my point. So if you just look at them, what Tennessee has been and what they were in 2022, like, yes, an offense can get better. They can execute a little bit better, but they scored 45 points a game. Like, how much better is the offense going to be? You watched Tennessee play last year. Did you think... They need better wide receivers. Well, this was the point I they made. They need a better so, quarterback. Like that that's what they were already good at and that's what always works in their system. So the only thing they need to get better at, I mean, you looked at the Georgia game, they gave up 8 sacks in that game. Like that's that's what you need to get better at as on, on the offensive line and the a defensive line what were they 50 something uh scoring defense in the country last year. But they were top 30 in rush defense. Like you couldn't run on Tennessee. That was something that they were pretty good at. But the defense was not very good. So until they like the defense is is better and you start stacking to more like just consistent defensive classes, which I feel like Tennessee is is recruiting better. So they're yeah. on their they're on their way to Can competing. we let Hypo get through year 3 before we're like what Hey, just, trust me, Kirby got no slack, so I can't cut Kirby. Uh, well, he doesn't deserve slack. slack. He's in the best. This is the best high school football state now in the country. Like, Georgia was always the sleeping giant. Like, he deserves credit for tapping in, but, like, it's different. Georgia should be recruiting better and should be better than Tennessee. It's a better situation. Yeah, but Georgia, but, yeah, but I, I'm just saying he was unfairly judged after like year three or four but hypo is definitely moving in the right direction but just to say just the blanket statement on the cusp of winning a national title i just don't think they're quite there yet because what i feel I'm like is, this can offense... georgia fans leave us alone can they let us have joy like if your response is like i'll worry about tennessee when they get a five-star offensive lineman i just can we and then this idea that this offense can't win a title what we don't know that nebraska won multiple titles running the the option like we have no idea what can win titles anymore. Like the idea they also that like, had some elite defensive players. But what I am saying is like, can the games just happen? Can we just see on the field? Can I see what Nico looks like? Can I see what a uh, five-star receivers and a five-star quarterback in Josh Eiple's system looks like? Can I see that? Can we? Do we have to make these decisions? Like just talking down to what Tennessee's ceiling is at this point, based on what we've seen to this point, which is only positives here. Can we just see the games? Can we? just take some time but the biggest thing about yeah, this I'm is not... we're excited because guess what's back tennessee and georgia beef and we have not had this in a <laughs> long time where now it's going to be the defense and i'm already seeing it play out where the offensive they're gonna just georgia fans are going to roll their eyes at tennessee's offense year over year or like yeah you can drop 60 on south carolina and kentucky again bring it up like we're that's a cute offense that they you win 10 drop, games with they didn't drop 60 on south carolina last year i mean the last time they were in knoxville i'm just going to go ahead and tell you this year what tennessee is going to do to south carolina at home early in the year <laughs> is going to be it's just going to be illegal but, I, but I, what i think i cut off your point but georgia fans will be right to to feel that way like yeah you guys are dropping 60 on on missouri like that's cool if, if you're scoring less than 20 against georgia you're not going to beat them you know so which Until is fair, Heupel... but we also don't know. Because guess what? Alabama was an extremely talented team last year. They lost two Bama games. Bama was like... flawed last year, though. But the defense like... wasn't. The defense was still a top 10 I mean, defense. They had talent uh, everywhere. I don't think they were top 10, maybe top 20, though. I mean, LSU beat Alabama. Like, LSU, LSU was not... was a top 10 team. I don't think and so. Tennessee I mean, I think they were beat like the crap out of 16. LSU. That's what I'm saying. So, like, th- I feel like Tennessee fans feel like, 
we beat Alabama. We got to the mountaintop, and no, it's just it's from awesome. It's nice. from twenty ten to twenty twenty. Like that was the mountaintop. Georgia but, is just the biggest. Like no Tennessee fan has ever once said that we're close to Georgia. That's the other part of it. It's like everyone knows. Everyone knows no, that Georgia. That's definitely. I'm on Twitter. I see these crazy Tennessee. I picked fans. Georgia I to be mean, Tennessee on this podcast. You were here. No, I'm not saying you're not logical, but I'm. There's plenty of Tennessee fans that think they're gonna destroy Georgia next year. Like oh, they're they're definitely they're not destroying there. Georgia. But do I think it could be close in the fourth quarter? Kind of like Tennessee. I mean, in Knoxville, you got yeah. like your chances as as good of it. I'm I'm not poo pooing it as as hard as Graham Coffee is. But I mean, I share the sentiment of Graham Coffee. But like you said, like. Taking it to Twitter uh, unprovoked after a big time five star commit—that's what feels, I'm saying. Feels like hater stuff for sure. But um, you I, I feel back to back champions. Why are you hating on Tennessee? Just getting any kind of you know what's nice? Let us live. Let us have five star receivers and five star quarterbacks and just will, enjoy our lives. I will not like when I see a, a Tennessee <laughs> fan, you know, talking too much. I you know I can't bite my tongue and I got to jump in there. But no, I'm never starting any sort of conversation about Tennessee. Like I'm not thinking about Tennessee until they start they start talking. I got to I got to set them straight. I mean, let's just see what happens game 3 with Hypo uh Kirby. Let's just see. I don't know for sure. And in, in this in Joe Milton, without a doubt, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. You, I feel like you weren't even sold on Joe Milton. Now we got Jordan Rogers hyping up Joe Milton. I'm a Oh, I'm absolutely yeah. still not sold on Joe Milton. Not yeah, in the so least bit. it should be interesting. And, yeah, not in the least bit. Well, there you go, folks. Um, Tennessee, Georgia. It's back. Yes, sir. Which is fun. Which is fun. Matt Green, how many days are we away from the return of college football? We are 38 days away from college football season. And uh, for number 38, we got what were two, the two best quarterbacks in the ACC last year. Um, and most likely the best quarterback in the ACC this year. Drake May and your boy Sam Hartman both threw mm. 38 touchdowns a year ago. And um, we're obviously going to get into our ACC preview later. Uh, but also the best 38 of all time, I'm going uh, Roy Williams, Oklahoma. What do you think? Oh, I th- I th- you're not going with your own team. Best. I mean, I can give you the best Georgia 38 of all yeah. time. Also, George Rogers, uh, South Carolina. I got to hype up Gwinnett County uh, native Heisman Trophy winner. Where did he play? Um, he was from Duluth. Oh. Huh. Not a lot yeah, of Duluth Yeah, apparently he takes his cats. Heisman everywhere. Like, his Heisman is, like, always in the car. And, like, anytime anyone recognizes him, he's got, like, the Heisman. He's like, hey, you want a picture of the Heisman? He's, like, always got it. So, shout out to George Rogers. Interesting. Um, I could not yeah. tell you 138. I'm off top. I'm, like, thinking, like, who is? There aren't I mean, a lot of 38s. I'll give, yeah, they're not a lot of 38s. I'll give him his his props but i mean herschel 1980 obviously should have won the heisman but they weren't giving it to freshmen back then but that's not important right now did he wear um, 38 as a freshman no i'm talking about herschel i'm saying yeah. no 1980 george rogers won the heisman ahead of oh herschel. gotcha, gotcha. And okay obviously herschel was like great and george won the one oh tim worley were 38 tim worley okay Little throwback Georgia running back. Also, best 38 of my era, Marcus Howard, for sure. Uh, the the Predator, as uh, a lot of Georgia fans like to call him, because he had the the dreads and everything. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, 2007 uh, Georgia team, he was the, the kind of undersized pass rusher. He uh, destroyed Colt Brennan, had like four sacks, I think, in that in that beatdown of Hawaii. Uh, that iconic play where he just absolutely destroyed him and like recovered it in the end zone. But um, I yeah, think that's Marcus what Georgia Howard. fans imagine Tennessee versus Georgia is going to be year over year. I they mean, just... Eric Stokes put like a similar hit on um, whoever that quarterback was in 2019. Um, then Georgia and Tay Crowder returned it like 60 yeah. yards for a touchdown. Um, so that that was that was a similar hit that Colt Brennan took. Yeah, that was Jarrett Carantano, I think. Um, no, no, it was it was a backup. Oh, I was it JT Stroud? Like Maurer or Maurer? Oh, Brian. Ma- it was Brian Maurer. I, I okay. I think that's who it was. That man was reckless. I, he's one of the most reckless quarterbacks I've ever seen play football. Yeah, that I don't man, think he got many starts or many well, I mean, he just Tennessee. looked for contact that guy just did not care that man mm. was uh he was a wild card he was a wild card for sure <laughs> brian mauer that is not a name i've thought about in a long time um who's the best well, tennessee 38 you got solomon one? uh solon page the third from this past <coughs> group uh what that's number? the first one that came to mind um, what number was peerless price he was like a weird 37, no, 37. okay mm-hmm. We'll just do that. That's close enough. There you go. If you're listening to this on on Thursday, we're 37 days away. Fearless Price. We're really close, man. We're in the 30s now. Yeah, for sure. Uh, next next episode's gonna be in August, man. That's insane. This this July is especially flown by. As if as especially flown by. Matt Green, ACC preview. Um, as we move along here, uh, in our preview series next week, we'll do the pac 12, um, and then the big dogs with the big 10 and the sec, I think we'll conclude with the sec, um, just with how this podcast works and where our, uh, allegiances lie. I think that's fair. Um, to start the ACC though, kind of a similar question to what we did with the big 12 in Texas. And I've been thinking about this because I'm going to pick Clemson to win the ACC this year. And I think they're a very good sleeper dark horse to make the college ball playoff. Is there a team on Clemson's tier this year? Like just when you think about it, like a lot of Florida state hype, a lot of top heavy guys, top five picks in the draft and Jared verse, Jordan Travis is back. Benson's back. A lot of talent in this, uh, in this seminal team, but do you think Clemson is still on their own tier in this conference this year? It kind of feels that way. I, I feel like I feel like their ceiling is definitely higher than anyone else's, but mm. it, it feels like I'm, it's not a guarantee that they're necessarily going to be on. It feels like if North Carolina or Florida State is on their level, it's because Clemson isn't as good as we thought, not mm. because those teams are just that much better. I, I, I guess Florida State's the only one that I would say there's a chance that they're so good that they're on Clemson's level. But I just, part of me feels like the Florida state hype. Yeah. You will get into the, the our team by team predictions, but I don't know. I it's, I'm, I'm hesitant to, to put them on Clemson's level. Hmm. It's also funny when you go through Clemson's roster, they're just Dapo really, there's just no transfers. Like it's just everywhere else. You're just like looking at who's new, who's not. You don't have to do that with Clemson. Clemson, it's like, it's exactly who you think it is, is going to be uh, on Clemson year in, year out. Um, it's a system. They stick to it. But um, 
yeah, that's uh, I, I'm very curious to see what the uh, polling and what people end up thinking when it comes to the different tiers and if they see Clemson being in their their own tier. Because I, I tend to agree with you. I think they have the highest ceiling. I think it's still a little too soon for me for Florida State. Um, we'll get into those over-unders and uh, what they potentially mean. But I think Clemson has a very, very strong chance of being an 11-1, 12-0 regular season team and being a college football playoff team. I think it's fair for Clemson fans to expect, especially with Garrett Riley coming in, leading this offense, and what I think will be one of the best defenses in college football, once again, best linebacker in the country. I don't think there's uh, a lot of excuses to be had for Clemson um, to not make it back to the college football playoff this year. I think they that's a big uh, L if they do not. Um, the biggest unknown, though, to you, Matt Green, in this conference, when you're look, when you're doing your preview and your your homework here, who do you still just feel like is the biggest unknown to you that you have no grasp on? Uh, to me, it's got to be Miami, hmm. just because like we've seen Tyler Van Dyke be a really good player, and we've seen him be really bad, and you know we got to figure out who the who who's the real Tyler Van Dyke, and like Cristobal, you know, as I feel like he. The, I got an underachieving vibe uh, at at Oregon. Like it, it felt like Oregon could have been a little bit better than they uh, than they were uh, in in Cristobal's tenure, but they were really good. Like they were consistently one of the best teams in the Pac-12. So, you know, I haven't given up that Cristobal can take Miami there. But I just in terms of like what they gave us week in and week out last year, just like. This team, you have absolutely no idea what to expect. So they're like they're the the one team that I feel like has that like winning the conference potential and like missing a bowl game potential. I think that's right because I think. Uh, as I muted myself from coughing uh, for a second there and forgot to unmute. Um, I think that's right with Miami um, because Miami, like seven and a half in that over under tells me that Vegas is like, hey, you have 10 and a half talent, um, but they just have no idea what to do with you. Like you could go six and six and it wouldn't surprise us. They could also go 11 and one and win the ACC and it wouldn't surprise us. Um, both new coordinators on both sides of the ball. That's highly volatile tyler van dyke has just had a really insane year or insane career at miami to this point who knows how that goes this year i think that's i think that's the right pick i'm okay with miami being the most unknown because i think they're just the most volatile of anyone uh in the conference um best odds to hit their win loss over under for you matt green um the best odds um i i look at it Louisville is a tempting one because, mm. you know, everyone's talks about their schedule. Um, I think North Carolina, though, at eight and at eight and a half, mm. I just I feel like this team feels like at least a nine win team. Like just we, we got the best quarterback in college football. Like if, if you're not if you're not going to compete for the conference title this year, like when are you ever going to compete for it? I, I, I just think Drake May is that good. Um, that this team should should expect to 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 make the ACC championship, like realistically be a contender to win the ACC championship. So I I'm I'm gonna go North Carolina. I think I think nine and nine and three is their is their floor. Interesting. That's, 
That's not true. Nine and three is seven on their floor, but I feel like they're going to be good this year. I think Boston College and the under is probably my biggest lock. Boston College is awful. Like they're trending awful. They're recruiting awful. Their offense is putrid. Phil Dracovic is long gone. This offense is going to be terrible. And five and a half, I'm like, that is very, very generous to what I think about this Boston College program at the moment. I mean, I think them losing one of Holy Cross, Northern Illinois to start the year is in play. Going to Army in the middle of October scares me if I'm an Eagle fan, if I'm a BC diehard. That just has all the makings of a loss to me. I just, I'm completely out. I think you can make the case that outside of Virginia, I think they're the two worst programs um, right now in, in the ACC. They're a sneaky dumpster fire. Yeah, I saw some uh, Matt Ryan, Virginia Tech versus Virginia Tech clips uh, earlier today, I think on Instagram. And I was like, I don't even, like, it's, it's, it's hard to remember Boston College being, like, competitive uh, in, in college football. This is a new one I wanted to ask you. And it's like, because, you know, I'm a big NBA basketball guy too, Matt Green. And league pass team to watch. Like, I'm obviously a league pass guy. Being able to watch different teams around the league during the year. My question to you, and we'll do this for each conference team. Who do you think will be the league pass? Like Matt Green's watching. They he just he has to tune in. He has to flip over because they're on, and he just feels like their games are going to be the most fun, guaranteed of anyone else in the conference this year. Who do you think that is? Well, I promise this isn't Chapel Hill podcast here, but it's definitely the Tar Heels. Like North Carolina, every single game they played, like the first half of the season last year, was just wild and and drake may i feel like like i said he's the best quarterback in college football in my opinion like caleb williams is obviously great too but but drake may is just a baller so just just to see his games that's like I, I i depending on what the what the slate is you know you get some of those boring noon games sometimes like if, if i get a bad north carolina game i might I might take that take that over over missouri vanderbilt or something North Carolina is definitely the pick because North Carolina, the cardiac kids, this schedule, Matt Green, is just made up for a league pass diehard. Like, if you're not watching North Carolina, I'm not saying you have to watch intently. That They're going to be at the Dukes-Mayo Classic is going to be where game day is in week one um, in Charlotte, which is basically, I guess, a home game for them. You know South Carolina, North Carolina is going to be dumb as hell. Like, you know that game is going to be stupid, sloppy, back and forth. And I'd on say some- that's a neutral site, though. In terms of like, I, I bet the crowd's 50-50. Okay, maybe it will be. I don't know. Either way, it's going to be sloppy. Then you get App State the week after. We know you talked about what happened last year. That's going to be sloppy. Minnesota, who's good. You, I feel like sloppy, I imagine like a 12 to 9. Uh, no, you I feel can like be that's high scoring be like sloppy. You can be high scoring sloppy. Yeah. yeah. They're a high scoring slot because Gene Chizik is still calling that defense, Matt Green. There's not a lot of 12, 15 games on the horizon for North Carolina. Um, no, I, I don't see that being the case. No, you look at it. I just, Minnesota at Pitt, Pitt always takes you into the gutter with them. Like, I just, I think it's going to be a wild bonkers year. And I think the the last three games in their calendar is just going to be uh, the worst case scenario for them. Duke, which is suddenly. Uh, we'll talk about them uh, and really interesting team at Clemson at NC state. Oh, that's rough. That is a rough way to end uh, your year. So yeah, North Carolina being a league pass 
darling for the ACC and just someone you you just tune in. Like if there was a red zone channel for college football, North Carolina, I think in the ACC would be the one that you're like. Why is there not a red zone channel for college football? I think is the better question. Um, Cause that poor guy, can you imagine keeping 12 up straight that hours of games? commercial free football? It's um, not, hey, it like, doesn't have to be him. It could be, it could be <laughs> one of us. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Matt Green of anyone in this conference, who do you think is the most likely to get fired this year? Ooh, most likely to get fired. I feel like I'm, I wasn't able to come up with a great candidate to get fired this year. Am I missing somebody? I think Jeff Hapley's on the table at BC, depending on how bad it gets. Um, I think Dino Babers is on the hot seat at Syracuse. I think. Yeah. Dino Babers. That's probably a good call. Like he's been good. Like last year's team was really good. They had Clemson on the ropes um, in Death Valley. Like he, he had that thing humming. Garrett Trader is back. Um, you have, uh, you put a promoter from within with their QB coach running the same kind of scheme that had a lot of success with Brandon Armstrong and company. Um, Robert and I, who is, I believe now the OC at NC state, but um, is it Tim Beck? I'm trying to think who is the uh, current offensive coordinator got promoted, but he was the QB coach and running the same scheme that Garrett Trader uh, played really well in. So we'll see what that looks like, but I think those two are probably in play. And then that's probably, probably it um i would say but it it is a pretty stable conference at the moment but i would not uh, be surprised if there's some hot seat talk with uh bc and syracuse depending on how their respective seasons go matt green so speaking of bc um let's do our actual over under uh thoughts for each team in the conference Boston College, five and a half, Matt Green. Does that feel right? And what is the, do you think they go over? And what do you, what does the number sound like to you? So they're coming off three and nine a year ago. Jeff Halfley is uh, yet to take them bowling in his three years. Um, and like you said, Phil Jerkovich is gone. I just, Zay Flowers is gone. I It's hard to get excited about much uh, for BC. I think I'm, I'm going to be get with same uh, as you on this one. I'm, I'm going to go under on BC on the under the five and a half. Yeah, I mean it's just not going the right way at all. And I was pretty excited. I mean he was DC at uh, Austin at um, Ohio State. Uh, yeah, I was digging him. I was digging him after that little shit talking he got in with Eli Drinkowitz, like after they and they end up beating Missouri, like. But uh, that's 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 pretty much the highlight uh, is beating Missouri. That's true. And uh, apologies, I just don't think one hundred and twenty second in scoring in the country. They were right there with Iowa, and they were just kind of they're kind of like Iowa, just a bad version of it or halfly. So, I don't know. I'm I'm out on uh, BC as well. Um, next up, Matt Green, Clemson, ten and a half. What do you think? So Clemson, you look at their schedule, and it's not it's not a gauntlet, really. I mean, they obviously have South Carolina at a conference, but other than that, like this team should cruise to three and zero. Like I do like Duke. Duke's not not just a pushover in week one, but th- this team should start three and zero before. And I think everyone's just waiting for that that showdown with Florida State, pretty much in week four. But it feels like that's their whole schedule. Obviously, they do have Notre Dame. They got North Carolina. It's like, it's 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 as tough as Clemson's schedule. I think does get. I think uh, 
in recent years. This is probably one of the one of the more challenging schedules they've had. I feel like it just all comes down to Cade Klubnick. I feel like I I trust that Clemson is going to be good enough in all the other spots versus everybody they play. But it comes down to like which Cade Klubnick are we getting? Are we getting the ACC championship one? Are we getting the one that lost to Tennessee? Like the what lost to South Carolina? Like you know we just we really need to see that. So I uh, I'm tempted to go under because I I feel like they're ten and two feels like a, a realistic possibility. But but give me the over. Give me Clemson going eleven and one this year because outside of Florida State, I don't I don't. And I think they could beat Florida State. That's obviously in at Clemson. So I, it's hard to see more, if they can get past Florida State. It's hard to see more than one loss on this schedule. Yeah, I think eleven and one feels right. But I also don't think Florida State's the one. I would almost book them beating Florida State. Like I would be surprised if they lose at home. And if you go back through, I mean, <clears throat> Clemson just doesn't lose at home. Like it just doesn't happen. Um, that's just not something that really happens um, at Clemson. So I look at those and I'm like. I'm just going to go ahead and cancel those out at Duke to open the year. I think will be very interesting because I think Duke's going to be really solid. Mike Elko's got a good defense and we'll see what that looks like um, for Clemson. I think they'll get by, but I think that'll be closer than a lot of people think. And that will be like, Oh, what's going on? Why is it 17, 10 uh, Clemson going into the fourth against Duke? But I think Duke's pretty solid. And then you look at this stretch is where I think they, <clears throat> they drop one. And that is, at Miami, at NC State, Notre Dame, and home. I don't know who it is of that three, but that is a pretty interesting stretch where they're going to get tested. And you look at it, there's a path where all three of those teams are top 25 teams this year. And, hey, that could be pretty spicy for them. I'm not worried about them losing back-to-back years in South Carolina. I would probably take them there. Garrett Riley's going to have this offense humming. Will Shipley will be good. And uh, Kate Klebnik, I think, will have a good year two here. But yeah, no, give me Clemson 11 and 1. But I do think the loss is not to Florida State or South Carolina. I think it's to one of those three uh, in that stretch. See, and obviously, you're the number one South Carolina hater. So you're not going to give, you're not going to give Gamecocks anything. But that is in Columbia. But, but I think the three best, best teams on their schedule are, uh, are Florida State. Uh, Notre Dame and North Carolina, and all three of those are at home. So yeah, I uh, I think they're good to uh, to get that, those eleven wins. All right, um, Duke, Matt Green, six and a half. What uh, what does this feel like to you? Well, I saw the number and I was like, this is an easy over. I like the Blue Devils. Uh, nine and four a year ago, like uh, this team was just, Riley Leonard was really good at last year and i feel like they just they seem very solid so i feel like i like the idea of uh of duke just kind of being a better team in 2023 but i look at this schedule and the schedule is not doing them any favors at all like week one just to have clemson you do click get clemson at home but i mean that's that's not a great that's not a great start, especially when you, we're we're gonna get into like Louisville and some of these other teams on their schedule. Like some some teams did get fortune uh, when it comes to who they got in conference without the division with the division play gone now in twenty twenty three. But obviously they get Clemson, they get Notre Dame, they're at Florida State, at Louisville, at North Carolina, get Pitt and NC State both at home. Like I feel like Duke is is playing the majority of the good teams in the ACC. So 
I felt like just seeing the the number on the surface, six and a half, it felt easy until I actually dug into the schedule. And it's going to be tough for them to get to seven wins with this schedule, but I I, I do like uh, what Mike Elko's building there. So give me the over just barely on, on the for the Duke Blue Devils. Is it the best job that anyone's done um, at a new spot? Like a really a bad job. Like Duke was in really bad shape. Right, Leonard looks like a dude, and they're just like assume that they're gonna be bowl, bowling every year under Mike Elko. Like he's just revamped that program and it's just turned it into strong defense first, competent, and just a team that no one really wants to play. They're gonna be kind of a pain in the ass. Like Mike Elko, sneaky, yeah, kind of reminds you of uh, of Mark Stoops in Kentucky. Yeah. That's a good call. They, they, I mean, that's great if you're Duke football. That's a great thing to build. Um. Basketball and, blue bloods, and then it can get into a little uh, pissing contest with John Shire in a couple in a couple years. I don't think John Shire has that kind of personality, but I guess you <laughs> never know. Uh, Coach K, I feel like maybe um, FSU nine and a half. I think this might be the toughest one on the list here, Macri. Nine and a half for Florida State. Where where Wait, you? did you go over on Duke? Uh, over on Duke. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> Florida State, nine and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you going first? Or do you want me to go? You can go. I would say this is um, kind of similar to to the, how I felt with the Duke one, like nine and a half. I feel like Florida State feels like a 10 and two team, but you look at their schedule and with LSU just week one right out of the gate, like that that's a college football playoff contender week one and another college football playoff contender week four. Like this team could start off, could be a, a legit top 10 team and start the season two and two. So I, I'm still like, I'm still like hesitant to know like how legit was that, that six straight wins to end the season last year. You know, they, there wasn't many great teams. I, I like Jordan Travis, but I like Jordan Travis. I don't love Jordan Travis. Like the Heisman hype he's getting, I, I, like it just, I feel like we're getting, it's this brand thing, right? I feel like Florida State just falls in this brand bias that like, as soon as we get a hint that this team is good again, like everyone's all in. They don't hesitate. Like Clemson, it took people like five years to convince everyone that they were actually legit. You know, it's like, no, I'm I'm telling you guys, we're like actually a championship level team now. It's like, okay, Clemsoning. You just keep going on and Clemsoning. It's like Miami wins, like they, they go six and oh, and it's the U is back, you know? So I think Florida State is one of those that feel like we're we're desperate for them to be back. So we just want to believe that they're back. But I feel like after starting two and two, I think it's it's gonna be tough to win. What is that eight straight? Similar to what twenty eleven Mark Richt, I think they went started zero and two, and then Georgia won ten straight against lesser competition. You, I think Florida State. It's not the a gauntlet after that Clemson in week four, but I just don't know that they're even the team that we can just know what to expect week in and week out. You just saw some of the the inconsistencies last year. They should be improved, but it feels like a nine and three team to me. So yeah, give me the under on Florida State. I didn't think we would agree here, but we actually agree, Matt Green. Um, they're oh. top twenty in offense and defense last year. They're gonna be both. I think they probably they're gonna be a team that the record doesn't match how good they are. I think they're gonna be a top ten team. But I think their record ends up being nine and three, and I think they—I don't think LSU loses to this team back-to-back years. 
I don't like them at Clemson at all. I think that's a loss. And like you said, two and two is going to be really hard to overcome and find their way back into the college football playoff at that point. And then you just have to run the gauntlet. And <clears throat> I don't see them also getting through at Pitt and at Florida to close. I think you drop one more of of those two down the stretch. Yeah, that's there. a that's a win. Everyone I feel like is just counting with Florida State being trendy. Like at yeah. Florida, like that's that is far from from a gimme. Like I'm not like super high on Florida this year by any means, but I, I'm I would be I would be careful in counting that as a W. And, and something about Jordan Travis's style, like. Mm-hmm. Can this guy hold up for a whole year? Like he just he's got a reckless style. I don't want to wish injuries on anybody. But um, you know, that's that's super important. I think Florida State fans, if anybody know, uh quarterback getting injured basically derailed the entire program for about five years. So um let, let's hope Jordan Travis can stay healthy. But he, he plays a little reckless. Yeah. Um, and he's not a big guy. But he's also, I mean, 36 points a game last year. They were great. Um, but in wins, they average 40 and losses 22. It's a, there's a split there. And I mean, they had a really big uh, November average in 44 a game, um, but in October 26, so it was just kind of up and down. First, the power five, they only averaged 33, non power five, 49. So there is, you just had to uh, parse through a little bit more. And I think they're just going to be, they're going to be in the, those close games and they're going to be some coin flip games that they need to win. Um, and that's LSU. That's, um, Florida, that's Pitt. Like you're gonna have to win more of those than you lose if you want to make it in the college football playoff. So I think with folks who really want to throw them in the college football playoff this year, I just think it's a year or two too soon with uh, the Knolls. They're on the right path. They're they're well coached, good program. I just think this is a nine and three type situation for for Florida State. And I think unfortunately it's gonna be a letdown for a lot of folks, which is not their fault because um, they're just playing the games that they can. Georgia Tech, Matt Green, four and a half. What does it feel like to you? Last thing I'll say about Florida State mm. is is the portal. It's like I feel like the portal is just not – it's just so an unknown. And it's like if you feel like you're getting a lot of contributors out of the portal, it's like you just don't know that all of those guys are going to be good for you. So I, I just think it's such a that's, – that's another risky thing. It's like a high-risk, high-reward type of thing. Yeah. Um, but going – Going to Georgia Tech, um, they finished five and seven last season, mm. and um, a big part of that was because Brent Key took over, and they went four and four under Brent Key this year. Four and a half is their uh, their over under, and I, it, it's tough when you, when you look at the schedule. Obviously, they have to play Georgia at a conference; it's basically an automatic loss. Um, also, have to go at Ole Miss this year. But it's they they have to play Clemson, you know they have to play a, a lot of teams that could potentially be in the college football playoff. Um, I feel like they with because of Brent Key, I feel like I'm a believer that they can get over that four and a half though. Like I'm not, they don't even necessarily have to go bowling, but I am gonna go over. I'm gonna say I, I see South Carolina State Bowling Green like. They can get wins right there. Then they just need three wins in the conference. They got Syracuse. They got Virginia, Boston College on the schedule. Like I don't know. I think they can uh, can eke out five wins. I think so too, and I think they're moving in the right oh, man. direction here. Agreeing on all of these. I think. I mean, I just look, man. I think 
Georgia Tech is moving in the right direction. I like the Buster Faulkner OC hire a lot. I think Zach Pyron is going to be good. Um, I'd like three new transfers at wide receiver, uh, some Texas A&M talent coming in there. Our offensive line is really good. That's another part of it. Georgia Tech has a pretty good offensive line, and Brent Key, obviously, an offensive line guy. I just look at this group and this schedule, and I think it's pretty manageable. I mean, at Ole Miss will be really interesting. Louisville to open. Hey, that's kind of coin flip. We don't know what they're going to look like. Will at Ole Miss be interesting, or will Ole Miss just name their score, basically? I don't think so. I think it will be closer than you think. I think Georgia Tech Ole Miss will not be this old miss curb stop that one got ugly last year that i mean i just don't think it will go that way this year maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm wrong um but then you get syracuse at home at virginia is not scary north carolina feels like georgia Tech, north carolina is always weird you get boston college at home that feels like a win bowling green south carolina state i think they walk into five and seven and then they're right there on the the bull precipice uh come come the end of the year against Georgia, but they, they need to beat Georgia kind of like Vanderbilt a year ago needed to beat Tennessee to make a bowl game. Uh, they're in trouble, but they're moving in the right direction. I think Georgia tech, um, has some interesting things cooking, uh, top 25 class. I think right now for 2024, the class ended today. So Brent key shout out to him. Also very likable, uh, Brent key. Uh, I like his quotes today from ACC media Louisville eight and a half. We might disagree here. Matt green. Where are you at with Louisville? So I think everyone's been talking about Louisville's schedule uh, this offseason because they don't play Clemson and they don't play Florida State. But I'm going to blow your mind with this stat right here. They play five games uh, away from home this year. Four of those games are in NFL stadiums. How about that? We got George, They're going to play Georgia Tech and Mercedes-Benz. They're going to play Indiana in Lucas Oil Stadium. Then they're going to play Pitt. <clears throat> who plays in a NFL stadium. And they're going to play Miami, who plays in an NFL stadium. So that was just a crazy stat to me, so I had to throw that out there. But <clears throat> I look at Louisville, eight and a half. I just, if that feels too bold for me, it's not like their schedule is a gauntlet or anything. Like, you know, like we just said Georgia Tech to open it up. Like Indiana, like they're not, they might be one of the worst teams in the Big Ten this year. Might, they might be the worst team in the Big Ten this year. But at NC State, they do play at Pitt, Notre Dame. Like that's they did get the Notre Dame in rotation, so that that's not easy. Um, we also just talked about Duke, Miami. You don't know what to expect, and, and closing with Kentucky. Like I, I, it's hard for me to see. Like I think they're a team that goes bowling, but eight and a half for them to have to be a nine win team. Like I, I can't do that. I got to go under on Louisville. We're gonna agree again. I thought you were gonna go over on Louisville. This is an eight and four schedule right here. And Jack Plummer might be the quarterback year this whole year. Jack Plummer's not a good quarterback. I don't care how great of a quarterback whisperer Jeff Brom is. That's not where you want to be year one. Malik Cunningham is the quarterback. I'm going over this year for year one for Jeff Brom. It's Jack Plummer's show. And I just, I don't see that right out of the gate here. Eight and five feels right. I think uh, there's a lot of winnable games. But then you look at, at NC State, Notre Dame, at Pitt. That's brutal. That's a brutal three-game stretch for Louisville. Duke at home is not going to be a cakewalk. And then at Miami and Kentucky to close, um, I don't think they get over those two unscathed either. So this just reeks to me of 8-4, and four, probably a top 25 offense, top 20, a lot of fun. But I don't think they're uh, they're a 9-10 one team in year one for Jeff Brom. So nail the under there. Man, we uh, got to disagree at some point. 
Miami, maybe this is it. Have we disagreed yet or no? No, none of okay. these. Miami, seven and a half. So I look at Miami, and I was obviously just talking about Miami being like the most volatile uh, team in the in the ACC. I think they do get A and M at home this year, and that was a that was just that's what you call a sloppy game a year ago. Like that, no one wanted to win that game. Um, but I feel like A and M is going to be improved, so I think that's going to be a tough one uh, for for Miami. It's a weird schedule though. So like you got just. Uh, all these cupcakes at the start of the season other than Texas A&M. And then you got your bye week early on, and then you got eight straight games. So it, it's not like an ideal time to have your your bye week after your cupcake game. So that's that's kind of a weird schedule for Miami. I think that, that type of thing I feel like will catch up to them. Um, but, yeah, going at North Carolina, at NC State, at Florida State, got Clemson mixed in there like it's not a it's not a gauntlet of a schedule but you do play Florida State and Clemson who I think most people think are the class of the ACC I I think they're going to be better than they were a year ago but it this feels like it could be a seven and five team like maybe eight and four I, I do like the seven and a half number but give me give me under I'll go seven wins for Miami this year here's where we disagree this schedule is really nice for them. And the talent, I'm just going to bet on. Mario Cristobal figuring it out. The new coordinators, uh, they bring in kind of a Houston disciple here. I think the offense is going to be a lot better. They were like in the 90s last year in scoring offense, which was just atrocious. I think the offense takes a big step forward. There's talent on both sides of the ball. I look at this group and I look at the schedule. I think the AM game is going to be huge, dictating where this season's going to go for them. But I think there is a good path to them winning that game. It's good to get them at home this go around look losing to middle tennessee state at home the way they did was embarrassing but like toss it you go back through the schedule i just you might be looking at clemson in october 21st and both schools are undefeated. like that's very much in play um by that point in the year and that's a college game day potential type game and then you look at it you're like at florida state will obviously be tough but at boston college and like this schedule like there's really no excuses for mario cristobal not to have a big year two jump what do we talk about in this podcast a lot year two jumps for these coaches i think they're this is the kind of schedule you want if you're mario cristobal this looks to me like a nine and three ten and two schedule and if they don't get mm. there i just i'm i'm having my doubts about where things are headed for uh the cristobal era in miami so give me the over for the canes i do love a good year two coach mm-hmm. um but i mean this team lost to middle tennessee state last year Heaven forbid you lose to Miami of Ohio. You're not ready to to be the other Miami. Like that's mm-hmm. you're not ready for those memes. They need to win no. that one week one. Uh, Matt Green. Next up, North Carolina, eight and a half. Do we disagree again here? Um, let's see. So North Carolina, they do avoid Florida State this year. They have Clemson on the road. I think that's uh, the first thing I kind of look at when I'm looking at these teams' schedule. I think they're the better team than South Carolina personally, and and more importantly, I think they're the better team week one. Like I think South Carolina, I'd be surprised if South Carolina like knows what they are in week one. Um, they just they lost a lot a lot of key guys to the portal. I'm just. 
I'm I'm skeptical of South Carolina early on, but so I I they need to win South Carolina first and foremost. I think that's kind of like you just said with Miami and Texas A and M. Like that's going to kind of decide where their season goes. But we are obviously talking about North Carolina earlier. Like it, they don't they don't really have many cupcakes uh, out of conference. Like with App State, Minnesota. Like it's going to be an interesting season. But I I look at them and I feel like this team can go nine and three, uh, maybe even ten and two. Uh, if Drake May can put the team on his back. So give me the Tar Heels to go over. I don't like the Chip Lindsay transition. Like Drake May makes it all very complicated because, I mean, he's going to be one of the two best quarterbacks in the country this year um, with him and Caleb Williams. I just, Phil Longo was really good. He was top 20 offense after top 20 offense after top 20 offense. And now he moves on to... Wisconsin, Chip Lindsey, very different scheme, but they did say that it was more of like kind of like that Bobo Monken thing where it's like, yeah, we have called very different offenses in the past, but it's the Georgia offense. I wonder if North Carolina has the North Carolina offense uh, installed where it's just not going to change all that much, even if we've seen very different stuff from these two coordinators. But it's enough where I'm like, I think that's a little concerning. I think there is some concern there for North Carolina and the volatility with them. They got very lucky in some big games last year. And this defense is going to be awful again. Like, I just don't see a path where they're not. And you look at it, Minnesota at home at Pitt. I mean, South Carolina, I don't think they win the South Carolina game. I This feels like a 7-5, and five, like just kind of really bad year for North Carolina. I think mm. they take a step back. I don't buy that they're able to stumble into nine, 10 wins again. I think if my, if I'm going to pick Miami to rise, Florida state to be good, Clemson to be good. I have to have someone fall down a little bit. And I think North Carolina is the one that ends up falling. Don't trust them. The defense stinks. And I think you got worse in offensive coordinator. Yeah. I mean, if the, if the, if the defense isn't improved, you just never really know what, what the floor truly can be. I, um, I think North care, the other thing, and like I was talking about Jordan Travis, like, Drake May led this team in rushing a year ago, almost 700 yards. Like, he's he's a dynamic dual threat, but they do not need this guy to be carrying the load on the ground. Like, that's that's not going to be a winning formula for them uh, in 2023. Absolutely. Um, Matt Green, North Carolina State, seven and a half, kind of low after what we've seen from Dave Doran's bunch over the last couple of years. New offensive scheme. Beck gets the head coaching job at Coastal Carolina. So, different scheme uh, with Robert and I. Moving over from Syracuse here, um, Brennan Armstrong, it looks like might be the quarterback um, starting day one here at NC State. What do you what do you think about uh, the the Wolfpack and uh, where they're going to be this year? Yeah, they're one of those another one of those teams like they're kind of tough for me to read other than like you said, they they feel just so consistent like their their floor is basically seven wins over the last like decade under under Dave Doran. So this, like not having Devin Leary, like I don't know exactly what you're getting out of the quarterback position this year. Like, so that's, that's one concern, but I don't know. I feel like seven and five feels like the ceilings or, or the floor. So when it, when you have seven and a half, like I feel like it's possible. Like, I don't know. What, what are you saying about North Carolina state? This schedule, I think it's like, there's two ways of looking at this. If you're a college football sicko, you look at the schedule and you're like, oh, this isn't really great because you outside of VMI, you don't really get a break here. 
Like, there's not really, you don't have the gauntlet, you don't have the big swingers, like the big out-of-conference stuff, but you have enough here where you're like, this just sucks for NC State. At UConn, UConn went bowling last year. That's, I'm not saying they're going to lose to UConn. Is that difficult? Yes. I think that's going to be a game. UConn is going to be better again this year. I think UConn's in the, they're on the up and up. They might be Big 12 bound by the, the time this podcast is up. I'm saying that game is going to be close at UConn. Then you follow up Notre Dame at home. You're losing that game. Like that's not great. So you get those two back to back. Great. You get a, you get some time off uh, against VMI. Then you play at Virginia on a Friday. That's going to be, I mean, you know about those Friday night spookies. Like you, you know about that one Louisville the following Friday. So you have back to back Friday nights. That's weird. Don't see that very often. Marshall beat Notre Dame last year. They're well coached with Charles Huff up there. That's going to be a tough game. Marshall is going to play you tough. So you don't get that one off. You don't. You still don't really get a break. At Duke, very losable. That's going to be a tough one. Um, Clemson, Miami, at Wake, at Virginia Tech, North Carolina. I just look at the schedule and I'm like, they're going to be, <coughs> the spreads are all going to be very, very close. And they're just not going to really have a stretch where they're going to be able to really find a rhythm, get cooking a little bit. I just think this is a brutal, brutal schedule that you're just trying to get to six and six. Like they're going to win one game one week, lose the game the next week. And then just kind of go back and forth in this kind of transition year. I think uh, this is, I think they're going to hit the under. I'm uh, I'm going to go under on NC state this year. Yeah, I'm with you uh, with the number of overs I'm picking. I think NC state has to be one of those teams that kind of that, that, that falls with others rising. Yeah. Pitt. We might disagree here, Matt Green. Pitt, the team that loves to win the, the ACC when no one wants them to whatsoever. Um, people forget they won this conference two years ago, sir. That was not that long ago that Kenny Pickett was out here fake sliding in the ACC title game uh, to beat uh, Wake Forest. Where do you have Pitt at seven and a half, Matt Green? They passed that rule immediately, like within the week. Like no one can ever do this ever again. Um, so Pitt at seven and a half. Pitt feels sneaky to me. Um, I feel like Cincinnati is going to be worse. I think that I think they should start two and zero at West Virginia. You know, is always tricky, but West Virginia could also be the worst team in the Big Twelve. I feel like I feel like the schedule. They, they do avoid Clemson. And I feel like people just sleep on on Pitt. Like Phil Jerkovich is there now, and I feel like you know we saw what Kenny Pickett did. Like you just said, like there's this idea of who Pat Narduzzi was that he was you know going to be this ground and pound just defensive guy, but you've seen him open the up up the offense. So I feel like Phil Jerkovich could he's really the key to I feel like Pitt being improved. But I think Pitt is a sneaky team this year in the ACC. So. Give me the over on Pitt at the seven and a half. I think this team's got eight and four, maybe even nine and three potential. I think they've got ACC title game potential. This mm. schedule's great for Pitt. This is all making up because what does Pitt love to do? Like Florida State, everyone's just writing in Florida State Clemson in the ACC title game. Pitt's over here like, not so fast, my friend. Have you seen the start of our schedule? We might be undefeated come November against Florida State. The Florida State game at home might decide whether or not Pitt is playing Clemson in the, the ACC title game. Wofford, Cincy, West Virginia, North Carolina at Vautech, Louisville at home, at Wake, at Notre Dame, that's the big one. 
at Notre Dame, that's it. Like, that's the first big, big serious test. I mean, they might be favored hey, in every game. Don't those Tar Heels now. I think they'll be favored in that game at home. Like, Pitt's going to be... I, they Pat Narduzzi, death taxes and Pat Narduzzi getting the most out of these guys. Phil Dracovic is still a good quarterback. I think he's an upgrade over what we saw from Keaton Slovis, who's banged up last year. They're running that pro-style scheme now. They're not doing the Whipple stuff that excelled with um, Kenny Pickett two years ago, but their defense is going to be solid. He's just going to get the most out of this group. Like I just, I would bet this just has all the makings of a 10 and two pit team that were like, how did they get to 10 and two? And why are they in the ACC title game against Clemson? How are they here? How, how did Pitt do this once again? I'm hitting the over. I'm not, I'm not that bullish, but I do feel like, like you, you said Florida state. Like, I feel like that feels like a game that they upset Florida state and maybe, maybe, uh, not put them in the ACC championship, but maybe, mm. you know, spoils Florida State's ACC championship run or maybe even college football playoff hopes type of game. Mm. Okay. I like it, Matt Green. Um, Syracuse, six and a half. This is mean because it's right there on the on the dot. This is a good line for, for Qs. Where are you at? Yeah, it definitely is. They uh they got at Purdue uh early on in conference and that was a that was a great game a year ago. I'm who won that game? Do you know off the top of your head? Did did Syracuse pull that out at the end, I wanna say? Um Against who? Against Purdue. That was your uh your wedding uh weekend. Because I remember watching that in the hotel. So you might not have you might not have seen that one. Um, uh, but honey, yeah, Syracuse honey, 32, enough. 29, I, Syracuse, Pittsburgh or Syracuse, um, uh, Purdue is on. I'll be with you in a minute. Yeah. I don't think that uh, would play. Yeah. Syracuse pulled it out 32, 29. That was a, that was a good one, uh, last year. So we'll see if we're in for round two, uh, this one in West Lafayette. So that's the, the toughest game they have at a conference. They got army at a conference, but, um, they get Clemson, North Carolina, Florida state back to back to back, uh, and at the end of September and going into October, I think that's going to be a tough stretch. I feel like bowling feels like the ceiling on this floor on the Syracuse team. Like this, this, I'm just, they haven't been bad under Dino Babers, but it, they just haven't been very ex- inspiring either. Like this team. 70th in the country in um in points per game last year just not much offensively so i'm i don't know i i I feel like i'm gonna go under on syracuse oh um that's interesting i think i'm going to go under too this looks like a five and seven schedule to me it's like it it's just not even and i don't like having to beat pit late or having to win on the road at tech which i think will be uh, tough in late November, depending on how Georgia Tech seasons goes. But that stretch you talked about at Purdue, Army at home, by the way. Do you know what those two? Okay, so for the non-football stickos, do you know what you're going to have to do as a defense? What Rocky Long, who is the new defensive coordinator um, at Syracuse, replacing uh, I think Tony White there. Do you know what he's going to have to prepare his defense for in back-to-back weeks, Matt Green? What's that? He's going to have to do the air raid with Graham Harrell, who is calling the air raid at Purdue right now. Then to the triple with Army the following week. That is brutal. That is just completely throw everything you learned, practice the week prior. None of that's happening in this particular game. 
So I think that's an underrated part of uh, that stretch. This has all the makings of a disaster start of the year. Then you get Clemson with the air raid with. So then you get Garrett Riley. You get the option, Garrett Riley, and then you're back to Chip Lindsay. Like, it's just, that's brutal. Like, I don't care how good Rocky Long is a defensive coordinator. I think that's going to be a really, really tough go. I like Garrett Trader if he's healthy. They had a great year last year. I felt like that was their moment. And I just, I'm not uh, not a believer in Syracuse this year. I think uh, four and eight, five and seven feels right. And I wouldn't be surprised if Dino Babers doesn't make it through. Yeah, that is a good call. Because, uh, I mean, you're you're bound to get some defensive linemen uh, rolled up on uh, playing that triple option, right? Going into the gauntlet of your schedule. That's It's not great timing. Not at all. UVA, three and a half, Matt Green. This one's just like everyone, and rightfully so, is going to be rooting for UVA to hit that over and to be a really good team next year. I just, I mean, I think Tennessee wins 52 to 7, something like that, to open the year. I think Tennessee absolutely blows them out um, right out of the gate. There's not a lot of talent right now on both sides of the ball for UVA. I don't know where I'm, I was trying to think of something that I could say that I like, I think they might lose to James Madison at home. James Madison's a good team and a good group of five school. Now I think they probably lose that one at Maryland, NC state. Like that's a big one. The Friday night spooky stuff. William and Mary later on at BC, even the bad teams, in the ACC, you have to go to the road. This looks like a two and 10, like I mean, worst case scenario is one, uh, one and eleven, but I think they're gonna be truly terrible. Like on both sides of the ball, I think this is gonna be a an abject disaster for Virginia this year. I think they're gonna be. You could. I I think I'm just gonna go ahead and say I think they're the worst team in the ACC this year. Yeah, this team was 126 in the country in points per game last year. 17 points per game, like. I'm not sure I knew you could score that few points per game in college football. Um, yeah, they're going to be really bad. Three and a half is just so low. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, going through their schedule, like I'd love to see Maryland and Virginia. Let, let's 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 keep that going more often. Um, but I guess I'd love to see Maryland playing most of the teams in the ACC because that's what I grew up with. Um, but yeah, seeing this schedule, I just like you said, Tennessee. Uh, at a conference, Maryland at a conference, and it's just it doesn't get much easier for them. So yeah, I don't know what they're gonna really be good at in in twenty twenty three. I I guess I gotta go under as well because uh, I just I don't see it from Virginia. I think you're right. I think this is the worst team in the ACC. <sighs> it's uh, yeah, it's just there's nothing else to say. Uh, Virginia Tech though, on the flip side, five and a half. They had a rough year, year one for Brent Pry. I still think they're probably moving in the right direction between the two. I'm kind of optimistic about where Virginia Tech might be headed. What about you, Matt Green? Um, the five and a half. I don't know. I, I look at it like Old Dominion. Like that's not a guaranteed win. Uh, no. Week one for Virginia Tech. Purdue. They play Purdue as well at a conference at Rutgers. Like, what is the schedule? Why are you doing at Rutgers and at Marshall when you're a bad team? Like, you need gimmies at the early part of the schedule. What are you doing? I don't know. I don't know who designed the schedule to get uh, two road games like that. Um, and like those, like Virginia Tech coming to West for to coming to Marshall. Like that's that's gonna be their Super Bowl basically. Mm. Like that 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 place is gonna go wild for that game. Then obviously you get at Florida State. So. 
I don't know. I'm I'm not that sold on Virginia Tech here. I'm I'm gonna go under on on Virginia Tech. I think five and seven feels right. Uh, in for Brent Pry. I think that's probably right too. They're 118th. We talk about Virginia's offense. They were 126. Virginia Tech was 118. Um, it was. I mean, they were averaging 16 points a game in their eight losses last year. I mean, they only played 12 games, but like, oof, the offense actually got worse. As the season went along, I um, I, I think they're going to eventually get there. I don't think they'll get back to the Michael Vick years and just what we saw with the peak of Beamer Ball in uh, in uh, in in Virginia Tech country. But I think they're still moving in the general right direction. They're recruiting a little bit better. Um, it's a long term process. Brent Pry hasn't shied away from that, but. I just, the schedule is brutal. Like, this is a brutal year two schedule for Brent Pry. So, I think they hit the under two. This feels like four and eight to me. Final team here. This is going to be weird. Wake Forest, six and a half, Matt Green. I think they might be sneaky awful this year. What do you think? Oh, man. I was surprised to hear you say that. I guess uh, with Sam Hartman leaving the Demon Deacons, you're no longer uh, on the bandwagon. It's not me. It's the family. It's the it's the wife. You know, like Tori. Do you remember what Tori said when you told her when you broke the news that Sam Hardman had transferred to Notre Dame? She said, "Who?" She said that guy is not as good looking as Stetson Bennett. That's what she wow. said. Sixteenth offense in the country. Like Dave Clawson, you can make the case best coach in the ACC with what he's the resources he has at his disposal. Like great coach. Wake Forest has they lost a lot of talent. A lot of dudes to the NFL, a lot of dudes to the portal. I don't like oh, this schedule at all for, for Wake Forest, especially the back half. They have to load up. They cannot drop that. I mean, Vanderbilt at home. Matt, Vanderbilt, five and seven. Like, I think Vanderbilt probably beats Wake this year. Like, I think that's a possibility. And if you, you lose to Vandy at home, things get very ugly for Wake in a hurry because at Ad Old Dominion will be cl- tough. They'll beat them. Georgia Tech at home, you should beat them. And you get the bye. Clemson on the road, loss. At Fa Tech, like, coin flip. Pitt at home, probably a loss. Florida State at home, probably a loss. Thursday night at Duke, probably a loss. NC State, coin flip. At Notre Dame, at State. Like, this is not a bowl team. This might be one of the all-time great. Can Dave Clawson work his magic? to get this team to a bowl game and get them to six wins because I think it will be a huge, huge win if he's able to do that. I just, I don't know if I see it. I'm, I'm hitting the ender. What about you? Yeah. Like you said, the way this schedule stacks up like this eight straight games after the bye week in late September, like of those final eight games, like they could legitimately lose. I mean, they could lose all of them. Like they, I could see them losing seven of eight or so to, to end the season. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm with you. I could also see, I could see them beating Vanderbilt. Look, I, I could see them losing to Vanderbilt as well. Like this Georgia tech, like if they want to have a decent season, they, they better beat wake forest. Um, so they could start two and two and then, you know, maybe lose six of eight, seven of eight or so. So yeah, I'm going to go under on uh, on wake forest as well. All right. As we finish up here. So your ACC championship and winner is who Matt Green? I'm going to have to go North Carolina Tar Heels making another appearance against the Clemson Tigers. And I'm going to go Clemson uh, to win the ACC in, uh, in 2023. Going out on a limb here. 
Okay. I'm going Clemson to win as well, but I have Clemson playing Miami in the ACC. Ooh. Wow, that's bold right there. But I would not be surprised if it's Pitt. I would not be surprised if it's Pitt. All right. There you go. Matt Green, always a pleasure, my friend. Next week, we got the the Pac-12 and then the Big Ten, the SEC, and then the regular season. We'll be here. Right around the corner, man. There you go. For that Not guy for down Jim there, Harbaugh, though. He's still got a few more weeks after that. That's true. He does. <laughs> yes, he does. He's going to treat those first four weeks. How is, how is Michigan going to get past the, that gauntlet four games without him? I don't think they'll be able to do that quarterback on, quarterback off first four weeks uh with harbaugh not and and gary you got to play jj the four the four full weeks uh can't mess around now uh without uh without harbaugh on the sideline so there you go matt green always a pleasure i'll talk to you next week yes sir nicely done nephew chase thomas podcast hell yeah